Welcome to the Beyond High Performance Podcast, featuring content and conversations from me, Jason Jaggard, along with our elite coaches at Novus Global, their high-performing clients, and the faculty at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching. On this podcast, you'll hear some of the world's best executive coaches and high-performing leaders, artists, and athletes discuss how they continue to go beyond high performance in their lives and businesses. When I start to equate that to everything that I've done in business, everything that I've done as a coach and as a mentor, it's really about, you know, helping people understand and own what makes them unique. Today's episode is from the Meta Performance Show, where I sit down with high performers who continually aspire to go beyond high performance. Joining me today will be Super Bowl champion and NFL wide receiver Marcus Colston. Aside from being the best wide receiver in the history of New Orleans Saints franchise, these days he's also an entrepreneur, speaker, marketing, and executive coach, and also a professor at the University of New Orleans. In our conversation, Marcus speaks to his success even though he was, quote, a no-star recruit, and how making it to the NFL wasn't just his plan, it was his only plan. He speaks to the balance of work and life while in the NFL and how he uses his history of achieving his goals to create and pursue his post-football passions. Enjoy the show. Marcus, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate you having me. I've been, been looking forward to this for a while. Let's get right into it. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about your history as a, as a, a Super Bowl champion NFL wide receiver. Uh, well, I think that's probably relevant to some of our audience who's listening to this. They'd prefer for us to talk a little bit about that. What's interesting, and I actually went and did some research, which was really fun studying you since we've known each other a little bit, where you gave a commencement speech at the University of New Orleans. And actually, you're a professor there now, which I think is incredible. And you mentioned uh, how, how some, in some ways, like crazy it was that it, I think the phrase you used was a skinny kid from Philadelphia could end up being one of the best uh, football players that the that the New Orleans Saints ever had. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about that journey? Because it's not like you were a rock star in high school. Is that right? Yeah, it was it was a really unique journey. Um, you know, I was somebody that I was able to continue to develop along the way. And when I got to a different platform or or a more advanced platform, was able to kind of rise to the occasion. So like my my high school uh, football experience, I, I wasn't I joke, I, I don't think I was a, I think I was a no-star recruit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'd never had a hundred yard season my, my entire high school career. I wasn't really a dominant high school football player, you know, so when it came time to, to get recruited, I didn't have a ton of schools calling. I ended up with, with a handful of schools that were interested, mm-hmm. um, two schools in particular that wanted to offer me a scholarship. Uh, one was a small college in New York that wasn't really known for its football program. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hofstra University. And uh, the other one was University of Missouri. And conventional wisdom would have said that, you know, take the the, the Big 12 offer at the time, um, go to the the place that offers big time college football and, and you know, take a shot there. Yeah. But I kind of knew at that time that I needed to develop. And the, the opportunity to Hofstra was one that it just it just felt like a better fit. I knew it would give me a chance to develop at the pace that I needed to develop. Um, at the time, it was some really, really talented football players there that were just kind of under the radar that I, I knew I could learn from. So I ended up going to to Hofstra and, um, you know, it, it was, again, one of those situations. I, I came in as a skinny freshman at like 170, 175 pounds. Um, and, you know, every year I was able to uh, continue to get better. I was able to, you know, just soak in as much information as possible from the coaching staff, from the, you know, the veteran players around me. Um, I ended up 
just because of injury starting you know, the last couple of games of my freshman year. And, and I never looked back. Um, was kind of thrust into a leadership role as a sophomore. And, you know, I, I just, I hung my hat on just, if I can continue to get better every, every week, every game, every year, eventually I'll, I'll get to where I want to be. So that, and that's, in, and then where you got is extraordinary. So I want to rewind a little bit. So when you, what made you want to be a football player in the first place? I mean, you weren't, like you said, you weren't the best, you were, but you were good. I mean, if people are writing you letters saying, Hey, we'll give you money to play sports. You're not bad. So you, but you, where would you have said you are in like the tiers of the high school you were playing at? I mean, I, I was like our high school wasn't wasn't a powerhouse, so that always helps when you playing. You know, the the powerhouse schools, you're going to have more eyes on you. Um, we weren't a powerhouse school. Um, I played receiver. We ran like a like a, a run heavy offense, so I didn't get a ton of opportunities. Um, I was somebody that was just more raw talent at the time. Um, you know, the, the the talent was was somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> I didn't get a ton of opportunity to to really refine it and really build on it. Um, you know, so, so Hofstra ended up seeing something in me that, um, I, I hoped was there. I knew in the back of my mind was there, but wasn't able to get a ton of opportunities to show other people that it was there. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Cause even two things I'm thinking about as we're talking, one is, uh, oftentimes hidden talent looks like above averageness, mm -hmm. you know? And so I love that someone saw the above that, like uh, my guess is if you were average or below average, that that's, you wouldn't get any letters. Is that how that, <laughs> is that how yeah, that works? Pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> you were above average. Uh, you were good. Um, but someone saw greatness in you. And then I actually think it's really brilliant. I'm curious how you made that decision about not choosing to go to Mizzou. I like, I like the description that you gave. And the reason why this is relevant for our listeners is oftentimes I think people aspire to just jump into the majors or they're, they're thinking mm -hmm. They're thinking about, at least I do this sometimes, I'm thinking about the fastest way to get somewhere. And I think the fastest way to get somewhere is just to go there immediately. But you, yeah. you chose like a more developmental approach. Was someone coaching you through that or was that intuitive for you? Like, how did you know to do that? No, in, in a lot of ways, people were coaching me against it. Really? Um, you know, I, I, had, I had friends of, um, you know, dads of, of friends um, that I had playing that, they looked at me like, like I was crazy. Um, and at the time, just to give you a little context, yeah, I, I actually, I lost my father, uh, when I was, when I was, a, in the first two weeks of my freshman year in high school and my father, he was the reason he was kind of the, the catalyst and, and the reason why I played football. He was a, you know, former athlete himself. Hmm. He was my coach, uh, all throughout Pop Warner and all throughout youth football. And he was the reason, and he was, he was really the foundation of my belief in myself uh, he was the foundation of, of where I got my work ethic from. So, you know, having that kind of an upbringing, um, I wasn't afraid of hard work. You know, when it came down to making that decision, it was really just me, my mom and my family, you know, just trying to work through what's best for me, um, not what's best for, you know, my buddy that thinks that, you know, I can go play in the Big 12. What's best for, you know, what's going to happen, you know, potentially five, four or five years down the road with NFL. Like what's what's the best situation for me right now? You know, it took a little bit of, of, of self-awareness to and, and really being comfortable in who I was and, and what I was I knew I was capable of hmm. to to kind of take that that road less traveled. And um, like I said, I was fighting uh, against a lot of the people that, that I thought were in my corner. It was the first um, situation of it was, it was kind of kind of um, kind of a precursor for me 
you know, sometimes the, the, the bandwagon kind of thins out and, and you're, you're on an island by yourself and you got to make it happen. In terms, in, in terms of like just knowing how to make decisions that are right for you versus following the crowd or things like that. Is that what we're talking about? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Now, when, just a few more questions about this because I really do love this part of your story. And I think it's rich for leaders who are transitioning or even younger leaders who are making decisions. When, when you made that decision and you mentioned a second ago, you know, thinking four or five years out, at that time, were you still committed or expecting to or hoping to get into the NFL? And this was a part of that strategy? Or was this a hedge or uh, kind of th- thinking more holistically versus just that one path? No, that, that was the end point. Like that, that, <laughs> the endpoint was not changing. Um, you know, I, I I would always joke with my mom at the time, and she she would uh, she would give me that look like a, like you better chill out. But <laughs> I, I would always tell her that that playing in the NFL was my plan A, and my plan B was that plan A was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And so then, so your your decision to go to a, a lesser known smaller school was tailored towards you making it in the NFL. So it wasn't like saying, hey, go someplace more realistic. It wasn't mm-hmm. saying, hey, go where it's safer. It, in terms of your goal, it was a more dangerous pick, but you, and I, I'm putting some words in your mouth and correct me as I do that. Like you wanted to go to a place where you could develop and shine versus go to a place that might consume you and you might get lost and you, and where you wouldn't be developed and not, and you would just be one of many other people. Is that, am I hearing that right? Yeah, that, that's kind of the, the the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, I, I, I saw guys that that chased the big schools, that got in there. They got they got kind of washed. They got kind of got washed away. Um, you get in as a freshman, you redshirt. Um, you wait around a couple years. You finally get to play as a junior or a senior, and you just kind of limit your opportunities to show what you can really do. Uh, versus the, the the path that I took. It, again, it was the one that was a little bit less traveled, but I knew that. I was maybe three or four steps away from where I wanted to be. And, you know, that path gave me a chance to play and get on the field earlier. And, you know, I'm always a proponent of, I've always been a proponent of if you can learn in the fire, that's the best way to learn. Hmm. And, you know, going there and having a chance to, to play early, figure out exactly where I needed to get better, where I needed to improve. Yes. Um, you know, when you, when you can get, that information, that real-time data, it, yeah. it just makes it makes the journey um, a lot more tangible. You, you can touch it and you can feel it. Yeah, and you can grow a lot faster. You can, mm-hmm. you can rapid iterate. Like it sounds right. like in, our, in the firm, we call it we call it uh, just getting more reps. Like just getting yeah. in there, getting, and that's what you chose the place where you're going to get the most amount of reps. No doubt about it. That's incredible, and I think that's incredibly strategic, by the way, Marcus. And I think that we're going to see that play out in every area of your life. But so let's go ahead and fast forward. So now you're in college. And you're growing. What's the step towards the NFL? Did you, how'd you do? How'd you do playing college ball? And and then who noticed you? And how did it go from there? Yeah, it, I, I stepped into like I said as a freshman. I stepped in and, and played. Uh, I think three or four games. I, I got a chance to start. I played pretty well. Um, actually, my my first ever start was my first ever hundred yard game. Wow! Um, <laughs> wow! So I moved into my sophomore year. Um, you know, I had an off season to really work on my body, work on all the, all the holes that I knew I had in my game. Uh, so I came into my sophomore year, probably 20 pounds heavier, a little faster, a little stronger, um, put together, a, you know, a solid campaign, but really did kind of went through the same, the same formula. I, I had a solid year. I figured out where the holes were, got back in the lab, lab in the off season Came in uh, my junior year, uh, another 20 pounds heavier, <laughs> nice. a little faster, a little stronger. 
And that was in a lot of ways, that was the best campaign that I, that I put together. Um, strongest campaign I put together. And by the end of my junior year, um, I was, I was starting to pop on the radar of, of NFL teams. Hmm. And, um, you know, going into my senior year, I had a lot of, I had a, had a lot of momentum going and, you know, personally, I, I, w- I was feeling really good about the path. And, um, I got into training camp, uh, you know, throughout the summer, my shoulder was bothering me a little bit, but I got into training camp, like the first couple of weeks of training camp, I figured out that my shoulder was, was really, you know, a lot more messed up than I thought it was. Mm. And, um, actually had to have, had to have surgery and ended up having to sit out what would have been my, my, my first senior year. Wow. Um, so that, that was a, that was an interesting, interesting time for me. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's a euphemism. Interesting is in like disappointing, like painful. <laughs> like what was that it like? Was, it, it was painful. Um, cause when you think about it, like a lot of the, the, the class that I came in with as freshmen, I wasn't going to graduate with those guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I built this, this whole trajectory, this whole momentum going into my senior year. And there's so much excitement behind that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like a balloon is popped. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so that, that was a time that really challenged me mentally, uh, really challenged me emotionally. And, uh, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, a, it's the time that a lot of people don't really know about in my story. Um, but it really, it really, it was that time where I had to look myself in the mirror and really, um, really articulate how important that goal of getting to the NFL was to me. And, and just so our audience can empathize a little bit with this. So you've given everything. I mean, this is a singular focus. This isn't a hobby. This isn't an interest. This isn't even really a passion. This is like an mm-hmm. obsession. And yeah. then all of a sudden your body will not cooperate yeah. with you. And you're watching other people move ahead of you. Yeah. And you've got to make a decision. I'm assuming were the people telling you, hey, maybe it's time to hang up the spurs. Maybe it's time to like, you know, uh, study math or something or whatever <laughs> people say. Yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those things where it, it wasn't, um, it was, it was an injury serious enough that I had to miss a season, but it wasn't career threatening. Okay. Right. So I had that kind of in my back pocket. I knew that I would be able to recover from it. Hmm. Um, but you hit it on the head. Like this is, this is, this is a three year process, right. Where I stayed on campus year round. I, I didn't, I only went home on major holidays. I was, I was there for winter sessions. I was there both summer sessions every single year. Right. So this was a three year progression, a three year buildup to get to this moment where I can really go out and shine and show what I can do as a senior. And for that moment to, to just kind of disappear, you know, that was, that, that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Now this is going to feel a little shifting without the clutch, but there's a phrase that you've used a couple of times that probably audiences who understand how college sport works and even professional sport works may be familiar with. Um, but I, I think there's some gold here for leadership development. You've mentioned the phrase campaign, like mm-hmm. you put together a campaign. What, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to put together a campaign for as a, as a college athlete? To, to get to the, to, to the professional level, um, you can't, re- you can't be a flash in the pan. Okay. Right. Um, you have to be able to put together consistent success and a consistent progression that shows that you started at point A and you were able to climb the ladder and get to, to point Z. Okay. Um, so the campaign is really the campaign, the campaign is really about how consistently can you perform and how consistently can you get better from from game to game, from season to season, and ultimately start in one place as a freshman and in one place as a senior. 
and that that trajectory is is really what what kind of gets judged as you are um, being evaluated for the next level. So then, are you when you're putting together a campaign? Is it a is it a four year campaign, or do you break it down into years? Are there KPIs, and if so, what are those KPIs? And how, like, how are there spreadsheets? Like, how strategic are you around all of this? It's it's a very it's a very informal process, um, and it's and it's really rooted in two things. It's rooted in how it's it's kind of this this self concept versus external brand conversation, okay. right? You gotta you gotta be self aware enough to know like where you stand at any given point, mm-hmm. and if you want to get to point Z. Um, are you starting at point A? Or are you starting at point L? Um, so you yeah. got to understand where you're at in your own progression. Uh, but at the same time, you got to know how you're being seen from the evaluator's perspective. So it's really, it's kind of this constant balancing act of, I know I have to objectively and, and really with, with a lot of candor, I really have to know where I'm at, hmm. um, but I also got to know what everyone else is looking for. And I got to try to marry those two things up. So that's really what the campaigns are, are, are about is, is like <clears throat> from season to season, I know that if I can objectively evaluate how I did as a freshman, I know that I've got to get off the press better. I know that I've got to work on my speed and, and um, you know, in and out of my, my, my routes. I've got to know that I've got to, I, I got to start to read coverages better and start to be able to anticipate. So those are the things that I can really hone in on when I get back into the lab in the off season and start to improve so that coming into the sophomore campaign, what they, what they want to see is, are you getting better and are you taking your weaknesses? And every year, do you have different weaknesses? Yeah. So do they actually look at year-over-year growth as a, a way of kind of projecting into the future? Okay, this is what this athlete may do in the NFL? A- absolutely. And, and specifically, you know, in my case, coming from a smaller school, mm-hmm. I didn't have the advantage of going to an LSU or Alabama where I can put together three games and three games gets me on a draft board. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I had to consistently put together, um, uh, seasons and campaigns that, that positioned me as, as a, as a riser. Um, there, there was no, there's no splash in the pan guys coming from Hofstra. Yeah. And that's brilliant. In some ways you, you picked the harder, I mean, not in some ways you picked the harder way that was going to produce a better athlete. Yeah. It's, it's, um, looking back on it and, and in hindsight, you're, you're spot on because, the, the hardest thing to do in sports and really in life in general is to sustain success. Mm-hmm. And um, when you can get to a place, you know, uh, you reach a pinnacle that you feel is successful. The hardest thing to do is, is take that, make that shift from, from being the hunter to being the hunted. And, you know, if you can figure out throughout your life, how to, to, you know, replicate all of the things that got you to that pinnacle, uh, to get you to the next pinnacle and the next pinnacle. Um, that's where you start to position yourself in a way that, um, you know, you're, you're able to not only sustain the success, but you're able to kind of rewrite and redefine what success looks like for yourself. Now, and that's a perfect segue into your, and I am skipping some parts and maybe we could do this again. We can flush them out because there's so much richness in your story and so much, I think, uh, uh, wisdom for leaders of any stripe when people make it to the NFL, is there a sense of I have arrived or is there a sense of I, uh, it has begun? Like, what do you think is going on in the mind of most athletes when they finally make it to the NFL? It's a really interesting mix. It's a really yeah. interesting mix. Yeah. Um, you have the guys that, that come in and, and they feel like they've arrived and that's like, that's the destination, 
right? Being drafted is the destination. They yeah. reached their goal. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways, those are the guys that you see come in, they have all the talent in the world, yeah. but they don't have the mental makeup to, to understand that now the journey just starts. Yeah. 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 You thought um, it was hard before. Right. I mean, this is, you, you're coming from a, you're coming from a place where, you know, there's scholarships on the line and there's, you know, there's meal points on the line. Yeah. Um, and you're entering into a world where if, if I don't have this job, I don't feed my family. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. different, it's a different level of intensity. So, um, but on the other side, you, you have the guys that, that really understand that, okay, this is the opportunity Dra- getting drafted gives me an opportunity to really show and really compete, um, at the highest level. And those are the guys that are able to go out, you know, put together solid careers, put together, you know, the hall of fame careers, because they understand that it's, it's all a proving ground. Yeah. Right. And, and every, no, no year is, is prom, no, the next year is not promised. The next play is not promised. Um, you know, it's, it's all part of, it's all part of this, um, opportunity that you get to compete. Now, and I love that phrase. You, you have these great isms, by the way. I hope this makes it into your coaching and consulting work, like building campaigns. Like, I'm already thinking about how to, like, even our, in, our, in our firm and our teams, how do we build campaigns and help people grow? What are their metrics and those types of things? It's, it's really fun to talk to you. The, the other thing you just mentioned is like a Hall of Fame career. When you got into the NFL, was that now that you've made it, did you move the chains to that goal, like the Hall of Fame career? Or is it more of an incremental thing? Like, did you think in your mind, I'm here to be a Hall of Famer. How how that work for you? Yeah, it's it's um it's it's funny. I, I didn't use that that terminology. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I can get into that, you know, in in a in totally different conversation because the Hall of Fame is is judged by you know people that I, I wouldn't necessarily choose to to pick as Hall of Famers. So it's not but, it's not, <laughs> not a pure talent conversation, is what you're saying? No, it yeah, it, it, there's a there's a lot there's a lot that goes into that decision making. Um, okay. But I, I will say this, my, my goal coming in was to, to leave the game as, as one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's interesting, like as you set goals, um, and as I set my goals coming into the league, <clears throat> I knew that I had to set that, I had to set that goal, like that stretch goal way out there that this is how I want to end up because what, what it helped me do is, is it helped me, it was kind of my North star. Right. So, so as I set my goals from, from, you know, week to week, season to season, they were always in alignment with that North star. And again, it, it just, my, my whole journey is, is really about um, the trajectory and, you know, figuring out what is the thing that you really want to achieve. You're really passionate about achieving yeah. and how can you put together the steps to build the foundation to get there? It's not, it's not going to be an overnight thing. And so, and then do you, do you, how, what did the rewards look like as you're on that journey? Like, do you celebrate or do you just push on? Like, how do you stay motivated when you're doing the week to week thing or year to year thing, season to season thing? It's, it's a, it's a balancing act. Like you, you gotta have fun. You gotta have fun while, while you're in the process. And, you know, for me, a lot of that was, you know, winning makes everything fun. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you, when, when you're able to, you know, put it all out on the field and, and your team can come home with a win you know, that, that, that's, it's fulfilling in a way that it, it makes it fun. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a lot of it too, is, is if, if you know, in your heart of hearts that you're, you're progressing towards that stretch goal, that's, that's where a lot of the fulfillment and the fun comes from. Um, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't somebody that really enjoyed the lifestyle or like that. None of that stuff was really important to me. Um, 
you know, the, the fun for me was like, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to do a job at, at the, you know, at the highest level. And, and I can compete against the, the, the people that I look up to as competitors yeah. and, um, and really go out and, because I know iron sharpens iron. Yeah. Like when I can go out and do that, like that, that's when I'm having fun. Yeah. I love that. Were there, I mean, were there times, I mean, I know that you probably hate losing, uh, but were there times when you lost, but there is still the satisfaction of the growth? Did those things ever coexist for you? Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. After, after yeah. you got over the loss? Yeah, because that, that's what, that's what, um, that was the process. That was the weekly process, right? Um, I'm sure, you know, people have heard this in, in post-game interviews, win, win or loss more, more often in a win people, people like to say it, but there's a 24 hour rule, right? What's that? Win, win or loss, you, you kind of digest it and you get back in the lab and, and you figure out how to move forward. And, you know, what you, what you learn in sports and really again in life, uh, cause I think, I think the two, the two are more parallel than, than a lot of folks tend to realize is, yeah. um, you learn more in a loss than you do in a win. Yeah. Right. That's why it's so hard to, um, to beat a team, you know, two times in a row, right. Yep. Because Damn. the team that lost the first game, they have all of the, that if, if you, if, if you lose the game, there's obviously things that did not go right. Yeah. Right. So you, you have the, the tangible things that you can go in and fix and, and, and try to repair versus if you win, um, there, there may be some, some insights that you have that went, that went well, but, you know, that adversity, um, that adversity is not as visible to you. Yeah. I was told one time that teams are almost like immune systems. And so they get <laughs> exposed to a virus, which is another team or something. And then when it gets, when it beats them, the immune system comes back stronger. Mm -hmm. No, no doubt about it. I've never heard the immune system uh, analogy, but that, that's a really good one. Cause that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. So now uh, you're at the, you're in the NFL and in some ways, Marcus, I'd love to hear your thoughts on your experience with other high performers. They're the best in the world at what they do. A lot of the people listening to this podcast are elite performers, high performers in their disparate fields. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, as you were playing along these, alongside these folks, and even for you personally, you don't have to throw anyone under the bus, but what is it that you saw that most often got in the way of people who were at the best of what they do? There, there, were, there were times where even, even myself... When, when you start performing at that high of a level, um, you become obsessed with it. Mm. And through that obsession, sometimes you lose that, you, you lose that, that counterbalance. What is, what's the counterbalance? And like, I, I just speak from my, from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, for my first three or four years, I was all consumed with football. If I, if I, if I had a thought about doing something else, I felt like I was cheating on the game. Mm. <laughs> And through, through that obsession, yes, I was able to really, I was able to get and gain a ton of insights around my, my performance on the field, off the field. Um, but that counterbalance is like, what are, what are the things that, that actually make me, make me whole? What are the things that from a holistic standpoint, um, they might not be, it might not be intuitive that it actually makes me a better player and a better performer, but you know, what are those things that I'm missing out on? Is it, is it just being able to unplug? Is it, is it just being able to be mindful and enjoy some downtime and enjoy some relaxation and recovery? Um, is it, you know, eventually I started to venture into business opportunities. Yeah. Um, and what I started to find is that the more that, that I was able to find that counterbalance, 
and the thing, the areas where I was able to unplug the, um, the more I was able to take insights that were more tangential and apply them to the game. Yeah. Sorry. So that has a counterintuitive brilliance to it. Uh, two quick thoughts. One was I had a mentor of mine say a couple of years ago, Jason, if you don't take a vacation, I'm not going to be your mentor anymore. Right. And his point was, you have no idea how much of a deficit you are to your team if you don't take a break. Mm-hmm. And that was really pivotal for me. Now, would you say, Marcus, that that counterbalance, what, what did, how did the counterbalance finding those other things impact your game? It, it actually, it, in a funny way, when I was away from it, it allowed me to miss it. Mm. Um, you know, so when I was, I, I would take breaks and, and interestingly enough, like I found this out by accident. I ended up with a, an off season surgery where I, I, I was rehabbing and I couldn't really, I couldn't train. You were forced. So I had, to yeah, I was forced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had to find other ways to occupy my time and occupy my brain. You know, what I started to find is that the more, it was more of a holistic approach to, to building myself as a, as a person and as a, as a, um, as a performer than just really focusing in on this, this one, um, this one area of my life. And, you know, it, it just, it kind of started to give me a different perspective, um, to where the, the importance of the game and the importance of what that game meant in my life, it didn't change, but you can have other things be important too. Yeah. And, and in some ways I would, I would imagine, well, at least I've, I've heard of, as folks create disparate hobbies and things like that, it actually makes them more creative mm-hmm. and allows them to bring that energy back to the game. Uh, and, and for you, obviously, I mean, what's, uh, what's the average length of a football career? It's not super long. Yeah. It's like, it's like three, three and a half years. That's, I didn't realize it was that short. Yeah. So in, in some ways, was that fortuitous for you? Because you've, you've done a fantastic, and I want our audience to know, you've done a fantastic job pivoting out of being the best at one area of domain experience into other domains. And I think that's probably unusual for anyone, but certainly athletes sometimes struggle to make that transition. Did that off time or that counterbalance prepare you for life after sport? It is directly tied to my ability to transition um, because being forced to start early while, while I was still um, while I was still really at the height of my career. You know, like I said, I was I was four years in yeah. to a 10 year career. So I got, I got to shout this out. Just being being fortunate enough to have two two uh, advisors in my corner that were really challenging me to kind of think outside the box. And mm. uh, one in particular, his his thing is you got to start with the end in mind. Hmm. All right. So, so those two factors in my life were really pivotal in helping me get jump started when I was still at the height of my career and being able to do those two things in parallel, um, really helped me see how, how parallel those paths were, um, you know, and being able to, to, you know, pull insights from one side to the other and, and have them be like directly applicable. Uh, it was a game changer for me. So then you mind me asking who those advisors were? How did you find them? How did they find you? What, what did that relationship look like? Yeah, they, they were actually um, my, my financial advisors at the time. Um, I, I, I still, one, one's become my best friend. Another I, I work with in, in business today. And um, they actually, they were former players themselves. Mm-hmm. So um I, it was just it was just a really, really good opportunity to see from them firsthand 
they had played, you know, 10, one played 10 years, one played 11 years, transitioned yeah. into a successful second act as financial advisors. So I got a chance to see what the transition looked like, what yeah. it looked like successfully. And um, just having those guys through their their wisdom and their experience just kind of pushing me, um, helping me navigate that minefield. It, it was um, it was uh, it was game changer. That's, that's I, the only way I can put it. I love that. And even just to our listeners, uh, how many how many friends do you have who are uh, who are one, two, three, four steps ahead of you? Like, where do you want to be? And are you spending mm-hmm. any time with anyone who's further ahead? Than you are where you want to be. It, that's one of the easiest ways to guide your life. And it sounds like, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it sounds like that just happened for you and it ended up being uh, one of the best things that could happen to you. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't claim, uh, you know, the, I can't claim the, the reason that it happened. Um, but I, I will say that in hindsight, it's become something that has, it's, it's how I intentionally move forward now. Um, you know, having that experience and, and, knowing how important those two guys were in my progression. Um, I'm very mindful and intentional about, you know, trying to, um, to pay it forward and, and create that same impact for, for folks that are, that are really looking for, um, you know, new and innovative ways to, to be the best version of themselves. Well, and, and so that speaking of, so then you're an entrepreneur, you've, you've got investments in uh, health, healthcare, tech, you're a professor now, uh, <laughs> which is fun to say. And you, your, your entrepreneurial gifts aren't just, you, you've invested in franchises and things like that. Um, and I wish we had more time to talk about those things, but I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to, I want to the way you, you mentioned just giving back and, and investing in future generations. I would love to hear you talk about, and this is a shared passion. You're, you're farther ahead than I am, but this is a shared passion uh, of ours. Talk to us about entrepreneurialism and talk about your work with uh, younger leaders around the area of entrepreneurialism. I'd love to hear you talk about that. For sure. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, working with, working with younger and upper up and coming leaders is something that, uh, it's, it's, it's really a passion point for me just because I was somebody that I never really saw myself as a, as a, a leader, um, you know, on my teams or, or I'm not your, your prototypical leader. That's the rah-rah guy in the middle of the huddle, um, getting everybody going. Um, but, the the ability to to try and lead through action and lead through intention is is an area that I, I really uh, focus in on with up and coming leaders because at the end of the day we, you don't hear a lot of talk and you don't hear a lot of rhetoric around there are multiple ways to lead mm. and you know I, I think that you know there there is this this perception and this this view of what leadership looks like. And one of the things that I really try to focus in on is that you can lead in your way and your uniqueness um, and create the same impact as, as anyone else that leads in the, the, the typical or the prototypical way. Yeah, and I wonder how many people uh, disqualify themselves from, that, from the identity of leader because mm-hmm. it doesn't look like everybody else. And, and we, you and I actually haven't talked about this. Is that a part of your coaching consulting? So everyone should know who's listening. Marquez, along with a lot of other things, he does coaching and consulting. Uh, I want to say on the side, because everything is kind of, it's on, the, it's on the plate. It's not on the side, it's on the plate. <laughs> is that a part of your, of your work with business leaders? A- absolutely. And, it, and it's, it's the thing that's starting to take up more and more room on the plate. Um, <laughs> that's fun. Because, because as, as I get into it, it it's really... Again, when I look back at, at my life experiences and my journey, 
Um, it's, it's the thing that is, is so transferable. And it's the thing that has allowed me to get into this space. It's the thing that's allowed me to get into really every space that I've gotten into. Um, and interestingly enough, what, what I call it is, is the thing that I made a living doing, which is creating separation. Yeah, tell me. Right? I like it when you said that the last time. Go ahead. Keep going. So, so as a wide receiver, my, my job at, at, at its core was to go where the defense is not and make a play. And when I start to equate that to everything that I've done in business, everything that I've done, you know, as a, as a coach and as a mentor, it's really about, you know, helping people understand and own what makes them unique, whether it's their, their skills, their, their abilities, um, their life experiences, their perspective, and, you know, tie it to your core values and your passion. Um, you know, there's no one in the world that can do that to the level that you can do that. And, you know, once you can, once you can understand and articulate what that is, now you can position it, um, you know, to go out and create your own separation within your, your work, within your, your, uh, your career trajectory, within your, your school. Like you can, when you really understand how, how you can use your uniqueness, um, it, it puts you in, into, into a mode where you can now seek out opportunities um, where it fits. And, you know, that's, again, I, I made a living doing that playing receiver and, you know, they would draw a play on a, on a playbook and it would look a certain way. Um, but when I actually got on, out on the field and had to execute it, uh, you know, I had to use, I had to use what I had. I had to use my physical ability. I had to use my, my, my mental ability to kind of anticipate and, you know, see what's coming and understand the situation, um, that I was in at any given point. And all of those different factors, um, I was able to move and, and process all those different factors because I always understood who I was and, and how I was going to execute in my strength. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, really a, that's really kind of at the core of everything that I'm doing right now. I, and, and I feel like that's something you continue to model uh, as you, you, your uniqueness for business savvy, Learn and going to George Washington University, getting your MBA, you know, pursuing those things. It's uh, it's fun to watch you continue to reinvent yourself. It's inspiring to continue to watch you invent yourself and create separation in everything that you do. W- one last question for you: uh, Talk to us a little bit about what is what does it look like for you investing in uh, kids and high school students? I, I believe you're working with some high school students and mm-hmm. even at the college level. Talk to me about that kind of thing, like the next generation. What are you doing with them? Yeah, it, it's um, it's it's really a lot of the same work, and it's it's what what I've started to realize is that I, I really started my work with with athletes, um, you know, in the professional world, and the more I, the more that I work with professional athletes, the more that I realize that eventually I wanted to get downstream, hmm. um, because you know there there's an opportunity within within youth uh, sports, particularly in high school sports, particularly. Um, to really get in and start to um, drive home this mindset that the things that you're doing right now to position yourself as an elite athlete are the same exact things that you can do to position yourself as unique, whatever you want to be. Yes. And, um, you know, that's that's really at the at the core uh, of, of my work with with uh, young people is is really trying to help them unlock that mindset, unlock that that possibility for themselves that um, otherwise. 
we have a tendency as adults to, to kind of put people in boxes. Yes. And, um, you know, being able to work with that, that demographic and that age group, really being able to tear the, tear the ceiling off of the, the, those boxes. And, and look, I mean, if you can, if you can, if you can work and you can position yourself for the, the ultimate in, in one area, then why can't you position yourself for the ultimate in every area? Yeah, I love that. It's seeing the transferable skills. Everything's transferable. Everything's transferable. Mm-hmm. And I think that you've, you've modeled that. You, uh, you've done a great job of that. And I want to thank you. One, thank you for a couple of things I want to thank you for. And then I want to ask where, where can people like find you on all, all the things. But um, every time I've talked with you, I sense your genuineness. Uh, frankly, I sense your, bril- your brilliance. I really, really love your strategic mind. Every time we talk, it's just fascinating for me to see how you think, how you position yourself, how you create separation and the things that you're up to. And you're always very generous with me when we ever we get to talk. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'll, also, you're, you're a, a husband and a dad. And it's always fun uh, talking about that. And I just really love how you have intentionally developed a holistic lifestyle that I think is worth admiring and emulating. So... Uh, thanks for being on our show. Where can people find you if they want to like get to know more about what you're up to? They, um, you can find me on on uh, on all the social channels: uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. At uh, my handle is just just my name, mm-hmm. um, and my, my website uh, is is marcuscolston.xyz. Um, Love it. XYZ. I'm still still creating separation even in the domain. <laughs> I love. Um, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll put all those notes. Um, in our in our show notes. And again, Marcus, thanks so much for your time. And I hope you have a great rest of your day, man. I appreciate you having me, man. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can do this again soon. I love that idea. Thank you for listening. For more resources like this, as well as articles and videos by all of our coaches, go to novus.global and click on resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. That helps us out a lot. Rate and leave a review. If you didn't like us, just leave us alone. We drop new episodes every week and we don't want you to miss out. If you want to explore hiring a Novus Global Coach or becoming an executive coach at the Meta Performance Institute for Coaching, email us at begin at novus.global or click the link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and remember, dare to go beyond high performance.